Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duff. We've got a fun show here today. Another episode live from the Indiana Convention Center here in Indianapolis as we're getting ready for the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. Starts Thursday night when in terms of the on-field drills, get a real good sense of what we're going to see here this week. We'll talk a little bit through that here throughout the show. Before I get going into what we're going to see here in today's episode, just a quick reminder, if you get a chance, go on to PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Journey Survey. Help us out here. Trying to make the show a little bit better for you guys at home. If you listen just in the spring, if you listen through all year round, no matter when you listen, if you like this show, just give us a little bit of love here. Just go on to that survey, take it, give it, help us out here. It's all content-based questions, trying to make the show a little bit better. Appreciate everybody that has had a chance to do that. You can go on to that website again, PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Journey Survey. You can go to any of our Twitter accounts, whether it's mine, at FDuffy3. You can join, go on to Ben's, at BenFennel underscore NFL, at Eagles. All of us have it on our Twitter pages, as well as right on your phone on this podcast. Just scroll to the right, and you'll see in the description in the, sh- in the show notes, that link will be in there as well. So appreciate everybody that has already filled out the uh, the survey to make the show a little bit better. Now, for today's episode, we've got Greg Cosell at the very top, NFL film senior producer. We're going to go through a bunch of players that uh, he has watched that he really likes. So we'll talk about some receivers, some defensive linemen, some corners. We'll get into a little bit of that, a little bit of that there with Greg Cosell. After that, Ben Fennell is Chris McPherson going to join us here. We're going to go through draft buzz. We've got pick six. We're going to kind of preview what to expect here over the next few days here in Indianapolis. Then we'll wrap things up with our draft mailbag. Now, let's get into the top here. It's time for Mr. Relevant and Greg Cosell. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Excited to welcome back to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA, our friend, NFL film senior producer, Greg Cosell. Greg, welcome back to the show. Fran, I'm still trying to get over that dinner last night. Yeah. It's a lot of food. There's a lot of food. You were... Uh, I was you, struggling. You, you were the only one that did not partake in the shrimp cocktail. No, no, because you know what? When it comes to food, I'm a little bit of a wimp. That mm. hot sauce just... It's a little much for me. It clears the sinuses until we come back next year. It's perfect. Well, I'm going to be back at Harry and Izzy's tonight. You know? Oh, there you go. Yeah. You, got another, you got another crack at the apple. Yeah, yeah. Um, are, we, are we actually excited to have him on? I mean, we, we bring him on to eat, basically, here. Right, Eating yeah. Eating donuts gonna, here gonna, on, on Radio donut Row. Here. Um, well, Greg, let's talk through some of these prospects, because uh, last time we had you on, it was, was back, I want to say, like, mid-October. Uh, we got some of your notes on some of the receiver prospects. Well, I'm going to pull out my notes, because yeah, I want to, you know, otherwise I'm not going to sound real smart. Well, of course, I mean, people, a lot of people, C-Mac, might think that that's the way it normally is, but, you know. We'll try to sound smart with you guys. That's but, it. Yeah. Well, we got your, some of your thoughts on on your uh, on those receiver prospects from when you studied them over the summer. Uh, I've, since then, you've done a lot more work on some of these guys, and uh, I know you are very, very high on Jerry Judy, uh, the wide receiver from Alabama. You feel that he projects best to the NFL out of the guys in this group. What is it that, in your mind, separates Judy from the rest of the pack from in such a clear margin? Can we, can we at least we gotta set the tone, set the scene here? He's got a brown leather suitcase. Yeah, you with know, all these on. Manila folders. Yeah, he's ready to go. I'm ready to it's rock and roll. Prepped. Yeah, I'm on with the best. I gotta, you know, brace this is my phenomenal. Game here, I'm just, I'm just, try, I'm trying, you know, you know, paint the picture for everyone listening. All right, home, all right. So. Well. Jerry Judy, to me, and, and I know that reasonable people disagree, but I thought Jerry Judy was hands down the number one receiving prospect in this draft class. Mm. And I, to me, there wasn't a real close second. Mm. 
And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, he's got real good explosiveness. I mean, you right. just see the way he moves. He moves differently. But the thing that really stood out to me, and I actually got a chance to talk to Jerry Judy on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, and I was fascinated by his answer. I think that he has a very advanced and refined feel for route running. Mm -hmm. And most college receivers don't have that feel, Fran, as you know. You've been yeah. looking at tape a long time, just as I have. And I just thought he had a really good sense of how to use his vertical stem, particularly when he had free access, and how to set up defenders, whether it was a corner, whether it was a safety, depending on his split. Yeah. Just had a really good understanding of how to do that. And because he was so explosive with his short area quickness and in and out of breaks, he could then easily separate. And he has vertical speed to get over the top of defenders. So to me, given his physical traits, he's got pretty good length. He came in at 6'1". And his understanding of route running, to me, he's just the best receiving prospect in this class. I think, like, when you talk about just how nuanced he is as yes. a route runner, the only guy in this class that I feel like you can put at least in that similar tier is uh, Justin Jefferson, the kid from LSU, and he's just not as explosive or twitchy as as Judy. As Judy, I mean, he's, no. he's got that juice uh, to him that Jefferson does not have. Well, there's actually one other receiver I thought was similar in terms of understanding how to run routes. And that's that? the other Jefferson, Van Jefferson. Yeah, Van Jefferson. I thought Van yep. Jefferson had a very good feel mm. for route running as well. Now, he's not an explosive athlete. Right, yep. And usually guys like that, they're not high draft choices. But Van Jefferson could end up playing in the league for 10 years. Sure. Um, but I thought Van Jefferson, and again, his father has played in the NFL and has been a receivers coach in the NFL for years, so he was probably taught the receiver position at a young age with the detail and the nuance. But but I thought Van Jefferson was in that category as well. Interesting. So you said that you thought Judy is clearly the number one yes. wide receiver prospect. What makes him better than C.D. Lamb, who is, by most media analysts, you know, you look at big boards, mock drafts, and the like, usually the first receiver listed there. Yeah, and, and again, C-Mac, reasonable, smart people. I like to think once in a while I'm, I'm both of those, but reasonable, smart people can disagree on this. Of course. But I don't think C.D. Lamb is as sudden, is as, as explosive, is as nuanced. I think in every trait that I talked about with Judy, I don't think C.D. Lamb is at that level. And in fact, Judy, to me, could line up either outside or in the slot and be highly effective. I saw C.D. Lamb as maybe a slot receiver, maybe a movement Z, but I did not see C.D. Lamb as, as, as an X receiver, the receiver that could line up as the single receiver to the boundary on the line of scrimmage. Maybe he can grow into that, but I just not did not see C.D. Lamb at, at the same level traits-wise as Judy in any of the, the necessary traits that, that I focus on. Mm. Yeah, and I think when you look at the, the receiver position, look, there's so many names, so we could uh, keep going on some of these guys. Uh, Jalen Rager, excited to get your oh. thoughts on him because uh, I don't believe you shared your thoughts no. on him back in the, in the fall. So uh, what are your thoughts watching Jalen Rager? Jalen Rager was a guy that grew on me the more I watched him. Mm. You know, he was a guy I started watching, and initially I just wasn't sure was he – was he quick? Was he explosive? And the more I watched him, I thought that he was kind of sudden and explosive. And yeah. I thought that he could run the route tree. Uh, he could get over the top of corners. Uh, I thought he was pretty nuanced, too. Now, you know, people start talking about numbers. Numbers don't mean anything to me. He didn't play with, a great, with great quarterbacks this year, so the numbers are numbers. Right. But if you just isolate his traits, 
I just really thought that he had a nuanced feel. I thought he had a plan of how to run routes. I know he came in at 206 at the Combine. Yep. Uh, he's a pretty rocked up guy. I think he could line up outside, which he did predominantly at TCU. I think you could line him up in the slot without a problem. He's got the body type to work inside. Line up in the, the backfield and took carries as a back too yes. at that time. So you got that versatility for sure. So to me, I think he's he's a really really good prospect, and, mm. and I think he can work all three levels of the defense and be a good player. Interesting, uh, Lavisca Chenault. Oh. I mean, again, we're going like right. apples to oranges right, to right, watermelon right, to grapefruit right, here. Right. Uh, how do you compare uh, Chenault and what he brings to some of these other guys that well, we've talked about? Chenault is is he's a little freakish. Yeah. With his size, and I know he came in at 227, which probably is, is high for what a lot of people might have thought. But yep. he obviously thinks he can function effectively at that weight. He's another guy that he lines up all over the formation in the backfield. In, in today's NFL, you, he could be very effective with jet motion, orbit reverses. We saw Debo Samuel in the Super Bowl have three big runs, you know, working uh, on, on reverses or jet motion. I forget, you know, each specific sure, play, yeah. but that kind of thing. Chenault could easily be that guy. Uh, he probably needs some work as far as refinement and nuance with his route running, but the physical traits are off the charts, mm. and he's an explosive physical athlete. Um, and he's terrific run after catch. Speaking of run after catch, what are your thoughts of Henry Ruggs? Oh. <laughs> now Henry Ruggs, it's funny because I like, ultimately I liked Ruggs's tape more than I like C.D. Lamb's tape. Now Ruggs was 5'11", 188, he's a, so he's a little smaller, mm -hmm. but I actually thought he ran good routes as well. I can picture in my mind right now as you ask me about that, him just really making Christian Fulton of LSU look silly. He didn't get the ball on that particular play, but he made him look silly. The ball actually went to Judy on that play. But I think he's a pretty good route runner. Um, he's as explosive as there is. We, how many times did we see him catch a short pass and turn it into a long game? And that fits the, the NFL in the sense that every year, the number of passes league-wide that are thrown 10 yards or under air yards mm. seems to be increasing. So you're getting into a league where there's a lot of quick throws and run after catch. And he's another guy that you can use with jet motion, reverses. Uh, but he is he's arguably the most explosive athlete at wide receiver in this draft class. People are saying he could run a 4-2-2. I don't even know what that means. But he's going to run it's fast. The point, yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. the point is, as I was told my first year at the Combine by a veteran scout, Fast guys run fast and slow guys run slow. And he's a fast guy, so he's yep. going to run fast. Yeah. Uh, there are like a hundred different guys that are like, oh, first round mix, early second round mix at receiver that like we haven't asked well, about. Well, then it's what you want. We haven't asked you about KJ Hamler. We haven't asked you about T. Right. Higgins. We haven't right. asked you about I like T. Higgins a lot. I want, but I want to ask you about Brandon Ayuk because I feel like uh. he's a receiver that. Fan, you know, he gets mocked to the Eagles fairly often, and I feel like fans haven't bought in on Brandon Ayuk. You watch this kid, and, and his skill set is so intriguing. Yes. I want to hear from you how you feel he projects to today's NFL. Well, he's also a guy that played on the West Coast, so I'm sure on the East Coast a lot of people didn't see him a lot. Um, and I know I did him, and I'm trying to find my notes on him as we talk because he, the thing that was really interesting about him was he came in under six feet, but his wingspan was 80, which was ridiculous. He is, yeah. it's like he's got pythons for arms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm trying to find him here, but I remember what I kind of said about him. He's another interesting guy in, um, in the fact that he's only played receiver for a few years. Right, running back in he, high school. Yeah, and, and so he's learning the position. 
but he's an explosive athlete. Um, I think at this point, he's a guy you really want in space. He's really good run after catch. He's probably not a refined route runner the way you think of a refined route well, he runner. He showed flashes, but not. I agree. Wasn't, wasn't consistent. I yep. agree. Um, but I think because of the explosive traits, there's a lot to work with. Yeah. I mean, he caught some, some in-breaking routes, and then he just pulled away from the defense at the college level because he's got that juice to him. Mm. But he's a guy you could use in multiple spots, line him up both outside and the slot. I think you could move him around. He's, he'd probably fall into the category of, you know, and I put this in quotes, prospect. Right. You know, he may not be the guy that steps in and catches 80 balls, but he's a fascinating guy. Uh, we'll transition over to the cornerback cornerback spot because I know you've watched some of these top guys here. I have. Um, look, we know Jeff, Jeff Akuda, his he's long gone at this point. You know, by the time the Eagles pick, but there are a couple and, other guys he, I want to ask you about. He just moves differently than the he's, other guys. He's he's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you about C.J. Henderson and well, I've Trevon. Not watched him. Okay, all right. So then Trevon Diggs, Diggs. I've watched. Give us your give us the elevator I, speech on Trevon Diggs. I loved Trevon Diggs. I do too. I, I love how physical he is. I love how competitive he is. I th he's got great length. Yeah. I think he's a smooth and easy mover. I think he's got great on-the-ball production. Mm. Really good. Which, it was, you know what, I, and I've talked with scouts about this over the years. That's not something they believe that can be taught. Either guys at corner have good on-the-ball production and can play the ball and make picks, or they can't. You know, and, and a lot of corners are good corners, but they just never play the ball. And they never get any picks. They never get any turnovers. Digs to me, and I, you know, I think you could use him because of his size. If you wanted to line him up in the slot, he could probably do that. He's physical. Uh, my guess is there are probably some people. I don't see him this way. My guess is there are some people that might see him as a safety in the NFL, you know, as as a multi-dimensional safety, which is a position that's becoming increasingly important in this league. That sort of multi-dimensional player in sub packages. My guess is he could fill that role as well. But as a corner, he is physical and competitive and long. What are the traits at corner that you need to have from your years of scouting and evaluating tape to succeed? Well, I think, you know, there's multiple traits. You know, first, I think at some point in this league, everybody's going to have to play press coverage. So then you have to look at how a guy plays press. You have to look at his balance. One thing I often notice, and I look for this all the time, when you see guys in press, what is their first move? Two things go with that. Are they patient? In other words, are they waiting for the receiver to declare which you should? And a lot of guys get on their heels as their first reaction, and that's bad. And guys who, you, you don't want to see guys start to lean back on their heels because that, then there's a recovery element to that. So those are two things right away. Secondly, are they physical press man corners or are they mirror press man corners? So if, are they, if they're physical, you're looking to see how they use their, their hand or their hands. Do, do they jam? Do they disrupt? Can they do that without losing their balance and their body control? Because if you do that and lose your balance and body control, in the NFL, guys run by you. Hmm. Or are they mirror press man coverage, meaning that they'll wait for the receiver to declare off the line of scrimmage. They won't put their hands on them. But then they'll, depending on the route, they just try to get into either the inside hip or the outside hip and just mirror him. So there's different kinds of press, and that's you kind of look for those things. Last guys I want to ask you about are the safety spot. Oh, 
uh, Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit kind of have gone back and forth as yeah. who's the top safety in this draft. Early on, everybody had it as Delpit. Seems like McKinney's getting a little bit more buzz now. Different kinds of players, but both kind of versatile uh, yeah. chess pieces for a defense. And I think it gets to the point, uh, and I know you and I are going to talk about this further, but it gets into the sort of that multi-dimensional, positionless kind of safety slash corner, guys who can do multiple things for you in sub-defenses. You know, McKinney was essentially a safety, but he also played in the box. He also played slot corner at times. McKinney was very reminiscent of, to me, watching tape of Chancey Gardner-Johnson coming out of Florida okay, a year yeah, ago, sure. who was a major piece of the Saints' defense, playing about three or four different positions throughout the course of this season. And I see McKinney being a very similar guy. Delpit intrigued me to no end. And again, I don't make lists, as you know, and then it comes down to what you're looking for, but there's something about Delpit with his length and his size and his fluid, easy movement that just really, really intrigued me. Yeah. And he can also play multiple positions. Uh, and, and I think both those guys fit when you're looking for that that secondary player who can you know play on the back end, play over the slot, can play in the box, can blitz. I mean, McKinney had had sacks. I, I think Delpit had a sack against um, Trevor Lawrence in the uh, championship game. Right, yep. um, and, and, and he did it off the slot. So, I mean, you're dealing with multi-dimensional safeties that I think really are important in today's game. Well, Greg, we're excited to get your thoughts as we get closer to the draft. We'll have you back on the show a couple times here before we get to late April. But uh, thanks for joining us here once again on the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. We'll be hearing from you next week on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Make sure you check that interview out wherever podcasts we found. Greg, enjoy the rest of the combine. Thanks, guys. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, guys, so uh, draft buzz here, and we're going to get things started here. And really, the, as I welcome in Ben Fennel. Uh, ben, welcome back, man. It's good to be here. And yeah. i, I got to say, it's always an exciting time when Greg Cosell turns the page from yes. NFL into college time. And I feel like I'm just waiting for that, and when he can finally dig into the college tape. He's obviously pretty deep in uh, NFL tape with his matchup show. Yep. But that, that moment right before the combine, it's all college, and he has a lot of knowledge and a lot of good stuff there on uh, prospects. We appreciate all draft analysts, right? But I feel like the guys that uh, study the NFL from an X and O standpoint throughout the course of the fall are especially valuable because they are able to see how these are how these guys play in college. More importantly, that's how they project to today's NFL and how they'll be used in today's league. I think having that knowledge, there are a few guys in this business that I think have that. Uh, you are certainly one of them. Daniel Jeremiah is certainly one of them. Greg certainly one of them. So uh, love having you know his expertise whenever possible. It's such a balance. You can't closet yourself in just one industry. Yeah. If you're just closed-door NFL, you're a little out of the loop with college. If you're all about college, college scouting, you're a little bit disconnected with the projections of the next level. Yep. You really have to balance your knowledge of what you're projecting from college into the NFL. How is it used? It's a lot of tape. It's a lot of football. But, yeah. you know, this is the, the nature of the industry. And the ones that really put in the time and know both aspects are, are the gold standard of uh, the draft coverage. Kind of give you a little peek behind the curtain. I posted a story Wednesday morning. It's called We call it a day in the life. Yes. Friends, you've written some of these pieces in the past. Uh, we've had some... Uh, of our scouts. I remember Joe Douglas did one for us last yep. year. Uh, so I followed or basically profiled two of our scouting assistants, okay? Amina Solomon and Lee De Valerio. And with Lee, he's been uh, balancing the college and the pro side, and he's explained how 
how much that's helped him in terms of what you see in college and you go and you see what, who's playing on Sundays and you go back to college and you can see, all right, this is what it should look like. Now when I go back to college, like, ooh, is that, you know, is that going to translate? And Mina said the same thing during the interview where she was like, you know, someone in college can put up all these great stats, but then you look at like, wait, that body prototype, you don't see that in the NFL. Is that going to be able to transition and carry over? Can you project that to the next level? So it's interesting when, when you talk about making sure you have your feet in kind of both uh, aspects of the game there. And I feel like some of the best organizations are now starting to continue to cross-train their scouts and the guys behind the scenes. You don't just stay pro scout. You don't just stay regional scout. The best teams are starting to move those guys around on a year-to-year basis, not because you're necessarily inefficient in scouting the Pacific Northwest. It's just staying balanced in your skill set. And the good teams, like even the Patriots, will go from coaching, uh, coaches on the field to scouts, to pro scouts, to college scouts, and back around. And, and the teams that, I think, diversify their personnel behind the scenes, you're just adding to the knowledge and to the hopper of information of all the people behind the scenes there. And, well, look, and the best teams really uh, spread it around. I mean, look at Jeremiah Washburn for the Eagles now. Exactly. Okay. Perfect, you yeah. know, he's like an assistant defensive line coach, you know, senior defensive assistant essentially. But he's also got the director of player personnel right. title as well. So he's helping on both And just the balance in the scouting departments. you got the former players. You got the lifelong scouts. You got kind of the analytics, statistician guys that break yeah. things down from a different perspective. So I think balancing your scouting department, like the Eagles do, and bringing in a bunch of guys right off the field, Connor Barwin, Darren Sproles, I think Brent Selleck's mm-hmm. over there as well in yep. an interesting role. So as much as there's some guys right off the field, it's a bunch of guys that's never seen the field as mm-hmm. well. And I think that's always an interesting kind of mix on how scouting departments are built from the top up or yeah, ha- from the bottom up. Having as many opinions in the building as possible is always a great way to go about it. Um, but let's get into some of the news. Yeah, that what's we're that John here. Wooden quote? Surround yourself with smart people who will argue with you. That's it. Yeah, right. that's, that's everything. Yeah. No, no question. So uh, let's get into some of the, the notable items we've seen come across the uh, the news wire here uh, throughout the course of the last 24 hours since last or yesterday's episode. Um, Big one from uh, NFL Network's Tom, P- Talipar- Tom Palacero uh, reporting no team has asked Jalen Hurts, the qu- Oklahoma quarterback, to work out at any other position. It's a little bit notable, I think, when you're talking about uh, Jalen Hurts, his projection to the NFL. Some people thought, oh, you know, is he going to have to move to running back? He's a tough kid. You know, th- you know does he have that ability? Uh, no team at this point has asked him to work anywhere else but at quarterback. Is there a different conversation the last five years? And I don't want to say it like player entitlement. Right. But that's kind of my lack of other terms. But... How did Brad Smith feel and Josh Cribbs and Julian Edelman and all the guys in the previous 10, 15 years about having to change positions, never getting an opportunity to throw right off the bat, into today's and saying, you know, I'm a quarterback through and through, I don't care what you guys think. I mean, it's kind of interesting conversation on falling in line, being a company guy, being a teammate, doing anything you can to get in the league and stay. And then also having pride with your skill set, your experience, and how the NFL is viewing your skill set. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting conversation, a little bit of a different era of yeah. viewing yourself. Is it also the way the game is played now, where you have yep. more athletic quarterbacks, whereas back then with the Brad Smiths and the guys you mentioned before, that really wasn't as prevalent. Right. You had more of your statue pocket passers where those guys weren't going to fit the mold. Now you can have someone where you look at Lamar Jackson, you look at what Patrick Mahomes, you look at the mobility Carson Wentz brings to the table, mm-hmm. and more of those guys can fit in today's NFL. I always wonder how like Randall Cunningham and Achilles Smith feel about like today's game. You know, they're probably like, ah, 
just we missed, missed it. it. Missed it by just 20 years. It, yeah. 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 Um, Even like Michael Vick, like, you know, what would Michael Vick do in, in today's game and the way that it's played uh, in the NFL but, would be a little bit different. But I also think just the reaction to the conversation of the drills is interesting and says a lot about the player. Mm. And, yeah, I may be a quarterback. I don't care what you ask me to do. If I'm Nick Marshall and you say go backpedal and let me see you in DB drills, sure, I'll yep, do it. Sure. Um, so it's a fine line on kind of just doing what you told and also being prideful of your skill set and what you think you can do at the next level. Sure. Uh, I think, uh, you know, to kind of just move on to the next part of this, uh, some weigh-in stuff came in today uh, over the last 24 hours as well. I want to focus on the offensive linemen because uh, one measurement that I, I do feel is pretty important is arm length for sure. offensive tackles. Uh, all of the big-name guys, especially these underclassmen, all came in with over 34-inch arms, and they, so they kind of checked that box. We're talking, you know, Jedrick Wills from Alabama, 34 and a quarter. Andrew Thomas, 36 and one eighth. Makai Becton, 35 and five eighths. Tristan Wirfs, 34 even. Lucas Niang, 34 and a quarter. Trey Adams, 34 three eighths. Austin Jackson, 34 one eighth. So all those guys kind of checked that box. I think length is important at the tackle spot. It is important in the offensive line spot. Can you overcome it? Sure, you can to a certain extent, um, but I think having those long levers, uh, I think that does certainly help you at that position, certainly in the trenches on either side. The receiving class in 2020 is completely stealing the show from this tackle class. Yeah. This is a deep group. Yep. Day one players, day two players, developmental players, back-end question players that probably have some upside. I'm intrigued with – I could rattle off 20 tackles that I think are draftable yep. right off the top of my head. You can't and say that a lot of years. It's really not a headline-making you know, news story because of the receiver group, the quarterback conversation, but mm. this is a deep tackle group, and the NFL needs tackle depth, yep. and we have to stop these – gazelle edge rushers and we were both at o-line masterminds over the summer and I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot of these guys over there and joining that think tank on how do we stop these edge rushers in the nfl a lot of people say that's the biggest athletic mismatch on the field no question defensive line versus offensive line and so uh trying to find those guys that uh you know can hold up maybe not even win the matchup but just hold up uh i think it is certainly of major major importance trying to protect the quarterback and what's your full picture on the on the arm length? I mean, if you show up with 36-inch arms, is that saying you can be a day-one starter? No. No doubt about it? Because I, we've seen the little Raven Clarks of, of the course, world. And, yes. Um, I, I think you still need it. I guess, you know, I, we talked a little bit about the measurement stuff yesterday uh, in terms of, like, hand size and stuff, right? And to me, it's not a problem unless it's a problem, right? So, uh, like, if I see a guy who really struggles um, – anchoring okay if he if guys get into his chest and he comes in and he's got 31 and 7 8 inch arms he's gonna have guys in his chest a lot right. and he's gonna have trouble anchoring a lot so I think I'm like all right well that that's gonna be a problem for him if I see a guy who's got short arms but he can hold up on contact and he doesn't give up a lot of space and he's able to drop that anchor now I'm like okay yeah like it, he can overcome that to a certain extent or if he's just really good with his hands to prevent himself from getting into those situations you can overcome that but uh, I think the length again it kind of speaks to like all right can you get yourself out of trouble before it gets to be a troublesome situation right. uh, that's what I'm looking for <laughs> from that position for sure were there any players who came in below the not the big, who, not the super big names. Um, I'm going to go through really quickly the uh, the top. Guys I mean, of the top here. guys. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. where. Um, 
no, so Wills checked the box, Andrew Thomas, Mackay Becton was going down the list of guys that, uh, that I see that I see here on this list. Uh, Josh Jones came in just, I mean, 33 and 7 eight, so you're not you're not going to crush him on that. Um, the kid from Houston, uh, Tremaine Ankrum, just underneath it from Clemson. Uh, he was one that had some questions with his length. He's yep. obviously short. Ezra He's Cleveland. very short. Ezra Cleveland was one that they expected to be sure. I think he just made it in over 33. Uh, Sadiq Charles, I guess, would be one. Uh, he came in at 33 even. Yep. Um, so that would be one. And, and some people do think that he's a guard anyway. He came in at 321 pounds. He was listed 295 by uh, LSU. He came in at 321. So And they uh, weren't afraid to get him out on the perimeter and some screens and stuff. He moved pretty well. I'm not sure what he played at in the season. Probably yeah. closer to 300 if I had to guess. Is. Yeah, and he talked a little bit today about how he put on a lot of weight. I, I was around him for a few minutes today. Uh, during, and we can transition now to the media availability real quick. Um, C-Mac, I, I know you uh, were over there for a few minutes. I spent some time around some of those guys. Um, you know, I thought City Charles, he talked about you know putting on some of that weight uh, and he's done, how he's done it over the last few weeks, really, just to get himself ready. One thing I saw that was interesting, uh, I forget who it was that reported it. It might have been Tom Pelissero as well um, that said that teams now, new change for the combine, they're making them weigh in again before workouts. The old double weigh-in. Really? Yeah, to make sure that they're working out at what they weigh because there's so, another an extra day in between. So the guys are weighing in Monday and not working out till Thursday. They're going to have them weigh in again uh, on Thursday, which is I, I think is a, a smart, smart move. Then it's almost why not do it all Thursday? I guess because you want to parade them in front of the teams to show the body. Yeah, I, th- I don't. That's the all thing. All the is, other measurements. I mean, I don't know that they're going to do the full weigh in. Again, I think it's no, more like, just, all right, just go through and, hey, just step on the scale real quick again before you jump makes in. Makes sense. Yeah, so uh, I don't know that for sure, but that would be my it's assumption. It's going to be a long week for these kids. It is. It's a long process. It's mentally exhausting. I mean, they've already had some late nights. They're going to have early mornings now yep. with the schedule. It's just so it's a long week for these well, kids. No, it's, no question. It's exhausting. You yeah. know, it's a week-long job interview. No question. You're not just showing up for one interview. It's a week-long marathon of a job interview. And I'm also interested to see how well-reported those weights are. Right. I want to see some guys who put on 20 pounds in two days. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Or more importantly, no. It's more the who lost it. Yeah. Exactly. Who had rocks in their pockets? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No. I think that that'll be. Who had that, be who had that big meal over at St. Elmo's before right. they got on the yeah. scale? Who, yeah. who drank 17 liters of water before they stepped up there uh, and then had to run to the uh, the men's I wonder how afterwards. well reported that'll be. Yeah. Like, no. It's a good should question. the public even be privy to the, the weight change? Something tells me the weight stuff usually gets It'll out. Get out. Yeah. So the everything's pretty transparent. Yeah. They do a great job in keeping everybody in the loop, the teams and the media. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to br- browse through a couple of these guys that I talked to today. Uh, just a couple of interesting nuggets, Ben. I know you love some of the questions I, I get to ask some of these guys from a, uh, talking about other players oh, and stuff like best, that. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, I'll just kind of p- pump through a few guys. Uh, Derek Brown came up time and time and time again. Running backs are talking about Derek Brown. Tackles are talking about Derek Brown. Guards and centers are talking about Derek Brown. He, sh- he, t- he showed up time and time again in terms of who is the toughest guy that you saw on film this year. Uh, so not really a huge surprise there uh, in the future top He's 10 massive. Yeah. He's huge. He came in huge this morning. I want to um, see him do the pass rush drills. I want to see how technical he is with his hands. Yep. He comes in a little bit like an Indomitian Sioux and just a yep. big ball of bull in a china shop. Not a whole lot of technical hand usage. You just cannot stop a guy at 320 and powerful and relentless and pretty athletic feet. And um, I would want to say he's like a Fletcher Cox, but Fletch really kind of developed some hand usage in the pros. And uh, he's going to be a terror to stop in the NFL. He's going to be a fun player to look at here in shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah, I think he was uh, certainly a guy that, that kept popping up in terms of uh, most, most uh, you know, toughest guy, most impressive guy. Uh, overall, 
One guy, a couple guys that really impressed me. I talked with uh, Nick Harris, the Washington center. Okay. I thought he came off really well. Uh, Paul Domowicz uh, from the uh, Philadelphia Daily News is going to be doing a very interesting piece, it seems. He was asking him a few questions about his comparison to Jason Kelsey. And he talked about how he watches a ton of Jason Kelsey film. Like, that's the guy he watches the most of. Uh, he's got a connection to Howard Mudd and stuff like that oh, up really? in Washington. Okay. So, um, you know, expect that piece from uh, from Damo here uh, in the coming days. And Nick's weeks, big thing, he's a little undersized. Yes. So if you're undersized center, everyone's mind immediately goes to Jason, Jason Kelsey, Kelsey, which yep. eight years ago you wondered if he could survive in the NFL. Right. And now you're sitting here, and he's a all-pro center, potentially one of the best centers in the NFL. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, even a fringe Hall of Famer at this point. So athleticism at the center position is obviously coveted. You come in at 290, 6'2", yep. you can survive. Yeah. Can I, you get put in a system to succeed is the question. Yep. And we've seen it both ways with Jason Kelsey's career. So uh, guys like Nick Harris or Matt Hennessy or somebody like that, uh, good thing they're watching Jason Kelsey. The crazy thing is in 2011 – Jason Kelsey's going in the sixth round. No one that undersized is going to be selected high in that draft. Right. And now you look at Garrett Bradbury going in the middle of the first round exactly. last year. Now it's, it's like, a coveted trait. And exactly. It's like, yeah, the athleticism. You may be undersized, but you're making up for that with the foot speed, getting linebackers on the second level, screen game, perimeter action. That's all part of this wide open NFL uh, on Sundays. Hmm. Yeah, that, no question. Uh, certainly a guy um, that I think has a, a bright future. I wanted to ask him about the senior bowl, how he felt that went. I thought he was a little bit up and down that week, but uh, I think this is a week where he will look good uh, down here uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, a couple other guys that really impressed me. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, really, really impressive uh, at the podium. I thought he handled himself really, really well. Uh, Logan Stenberg, the guard from Kentucky, really enjoyed talking with him. Uh, Lucas Niang, uh, sounds like he's going to do everything for his pro day. Okay. Um, not going to perform here uh, this week in Indianapolis. He's coming off that hip injury That's right, uh, that yeah. cost him most of the uh, most of the season. Talked to him. He actually heard it in training camp 2018 played through it all through his junior year they told him afterwards it was torn in the seat right. after the season they said do you want to do surgery you want to try and rehab or you know kind of play through it and he decided no surgery tried to pl play through it and kind of rest it up uh got through camp got through the first couple games and they told him he's got he's got to shut it down so wow. there's a couple uh, a couple offensive linemen with some injury history but this guy he looks the part yep and when he's healthy and on tape i mean put on 2018 against ohio state week one chase young nick bosa he handled his own. He was no problem with those guys. Lucas and Niang is going to go in like the second or third round, and someone's going to get a first round quality tackle. No question. Tackle. He's already been working with Paul Alexander behind the scenes yep. and getting some NFL pass sets and really athletic kid. Just the injury history. Yep. On top of some other guys like Natan Muti and some people like that that have put good stuff on tape. Just the medicals are big this week. Friend, uh, friend, do you follow up with any guys who you previously spoke with at like the Shrine Bowl or the Senior typically Bowl? Typically not, because there's so many guys here that. Uh, it's like I, there, I can either talk to this guy that I haven't talked to yet or I can follow up. So yeah. it's rare that I do. Um, sometimes I do, but it, it's typically rare. Uh, one other guy that really stood out, speaking of Senior Bowl, was uh, Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, he was really, really impressive. I thought he, he really handled himself well up at the podium. Um, not one question in particular that stands out, but I thought I walked away from that thinking, like, this guy, he gets it. He, he's got he's got his stuff together. He was one of my senior bowl favorites. Yeah. So. They're doing an interview training down at LSU. Oh, these kids look pretty good this week. Yeah. Edward Hilaire, Joe Burrow's obviously a rock star. Thad Moss came off really well. Burrow, like, just was, like, holding court yesterday. Right. He had a chair up at his podium. like So he's, like, up there, and he's just, like, you know, elbows on the table just, like, <laughs> like, just had, like, like having a chat with a guy at the bar. Like, that's what it looked like. He was a whole Cushion very sharp. Justin Jefferson yep. was pretty sharp. And a lot, of, a lot of intriguing LSU players, obviously, coming off the yeah. undefeated national championship season. No question. All right, so uh, let's get to our next segment here. It's time for Pick 6.
Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, so today for Pick 6, we're going to do uh, something a little bit different. Usually, you know, we bounce around and like me and C-Mac will give three things or me, C-Mac, and Ben will each give two, two items. C-Mac's actually going to present the six players here in this segment. But before he gets into those six players, uh, what we're going to do is he's going to present six players that uh, I covered in my combine cheat sheet. So every day, starting on Thursday morning, whatever positions are working out uh, that night, you can go on to PhiladelphiaEagles.com and check out. Uh, I did a full position previews, these cheat sheets for each position. So Thursday morning, it'll be the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. Friday, O-line and running backs. Uh, on Saturday, it'll be the front seven, the edge rushers, D-tackles and linebackers, and then corners and safeties on Sunday. So what I basically did was try to cover as many players as I could, short little blurbs, and all the same categories in every position. So real quickly, top of the heap was just the number one, who's viewed as the number one player, workout warrior, the guy that I expected to perform best in the athletic testing portion of the workout. Off the radar, a guy that I thought was going to test really well that people aren't necessarily talking about. Could be a lower level guy or just a name that is kind of flying under the radar, but certainly keep an eye on to be a really good athletic tester. Stopwatch shocker. Kind of similar, but a little bit different in that this is a guy that is a big name player that people aren't expecting to test overly well, but I think is going to really kind of light up the uh, the stopwatch here and light up the track uh, in terms of how he tests. We'll kill the drills. More about the position drills, so who's going to do well in the position-specific things uh, that we talked about last week. Hit on that in that category. Trust the tape is all about players that, look, we're not expecting them to test well, and we shouldn't knock them for it because they're not great athletes on tape. But if it's a good player, this is a guy that knows how to play the game. So that's my trust the tape. Most productive college player, that kind of speaks for itself. One-year wonder, a guy who only really played at a high level for one year of college football. Best pro, pro comparison, again, kind of self-explanatory. Your best story, a guy that's got a really interesting background. Small school standout. Philly connection, a guy that's kind of tied in to Philadelphia or to the Eagles. And then most approved, a guy that's got a lot to prove here. A couple other start, uh, things that I would also work in there. Position drill to watch. So I picked a position drill and what I felt was most important. Some of the things to kind of look for when these position drills start on TV. So when Ben is up there, uh, he'll do his uh, the the uh, video packages and how those translate to the field. So it's just some of the coaching points that I look for in each of those drills. And then what I call Mr. Average, can just kind of give you a sense of the measurements and all these testing uh, scores, all these numbers. What is the average over the last decade of all the players at each position? So if you see, oh, this guy ran a uh, 673 cone or he ran a 458 40-yard dash, what does that mean in terms of of that position? Is that a good number? Is that a bad number? Is that an average number? Hopefully that Mr. Average can give you a sense. So my hope is that these combine cheat sheets give you a little bit of a leg up as you're watching uh, all the, the uh, action unfold here the rest of the week. You have them up on your phone. You know, That's it. Able to yeah. These are great through. pieces, easy to absorb. They're yes. quick. They're different, too. They're not the normal combine previews you see everywhere across uh, national media landscapes are very particular. Obviously, some cool little superlatives there, but fire it up daily right before the combine broadcast and get caught up on, on what to look for. Ben, I'll be, tweet, I'll be tweeting them out every day for sure. Yeah. And Ben, take us through when does the broadcast start for you on NFL Network? So I think the next three days can be uh, 4 to 11, 4 to 11, 4 to 11. Two to seven. Two to seven on yeah, Sunday. So yeah, for three, the defensive seven, backs. Three seven-hour days and then a five-hour day. I think we're going to do run, rich, run. That's on Sunday, right? Yes. I'm not sure the timing of that just yet, but there's always a couple other elements to, sure. uh, to work in. And um, Yeah, but the timing being different this year is uh, kind of interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. How many videos have you put together? We're, Approx. Me particularly, of yes. XO videos. We're talking breakdown videos. We're pushing over 100. Wow. Um, yeah, so I want to say right about 110 or so. So that's college player breakdowns. 
We do some position prototypes showing what does it look like in the NFL? What's the ideal position look like? And then explaining the drills and trying to show guys running at the combine and then using that drill, that movement pattern, those traits with their team on Sundays and NFL games and trying to just explain what you're seeing on the field here in shorts and t-shirts that it does equate and you will see it on the football field. Sometimes you just need a little help in bridging them together. Before we get into the six players, any Eagles featured? Uh, we have tons. Yeah, okay. we have, we have uh, I mean, Jason Kelsey's our prototypical center. I mean, yep. that's, that's an easy one right there. Um, tons of drill XOs of Eagles. We have Andre Diller doing a kick slide, one of the more athletic-looking tackles last year, firing out of his uh, stance there in pass awesome. pro. Avante Maddox, a great 90-degree break. He's a really, really good defensive back a couple years ago coming out of Pittsburgh who's uh, settled in with us. So definitely a bunch of you Eagles. You have a Miles Sanders XO, right? We do have a Miles Sanders yeah, running the wheel route last year. He caught a nice wheel against Minnesota for yep. us this year. Uh, so obviously the Eagles, that offense, really easy to find some translatable uh, traits as well. Carson Wentz, some drops from under center, five-step drop curls, things like that. So we have plenty of Eagles all over that broadcast. All right, so let's get into the six players. And uh, I'll start with this, Ben, okay? Fran wrote the pieces. I edited them. Okay. I'll give you the category and position. See maybe if you can. Ooh, uh, this is interesting. I like yeah. this. All right, so the first category, workout warrior. Okay. okay. Going to perform the best in the athletic portion of the timing and testing drills. Keep in mind that this won't be the top player, so it's not going to be the – it won't be Jeff Akuda because Jeff Akuda is the top player. In the, he's got that superlative. Yes. So eliminate Jeff Akuda okay. from the list. Okay. At cornerback, workout warrior. And it has to be at corner? At yes, corner. This is a corner. Workout warrior. So Fran does one for every position, but we're spotlighting six of them. So this one is, a, is the workout warrior – at the cornerback position. And I'll tell you what, position. This was, picking the guys that I wanted to highlight as the good testers from this group was really hard because there were like a lot of options I really could have written about for, a, a, for Brian, that This one's spot. easy. This one's a lock. All right, we got a lot of four, three corners. Yes. We got some jumpers. Yes. We got some fluid movements. Right. There's only a couple guys that check all of those boxes. Right. Cameron Dantzler at Mississippi State Ooh. is going to jump through the roof. He is. Yep. He's going to run four fours. He's going to look fluid in all his movement drills. He's going to look like a freak show out there. Uh, kind of the way almost like Kevin King has looked uh, at the University of Washington like and his that. transition uh, to the pros. So I expect him, who I think was a long jump champion uh, coming out of high school, if I'm not mistaken. There's a bunch of guys with some impressive accolades off the field. But, uh, I mean, the Utah kid, Javelin Guidry, yep. he's going to run 4.3s, maybe 4.29. Uh, but collective workout warrior. Cameron Dantzler is going to turn some heads this week. So you are correct in that it was a corner from the SEC. You are incorrect that it was Cameron Dantzler. Well, there's a lot of corners from the SEC. Yeah. I here. went with C.J. Henderson. Oh, interesting. Okay. I feel like he's going to light it up, man. Yeah. Like, I just I like the way that that kid moves is just different. Uh, Dantzler was my stopwatch shocker as a guy that I felt was good. Because like, people aren't really talking about Dantzler as a guy that's going to test, like, oh, he's going to test really well. Mm -hmm. And I do think he's going to test well. So I put him in there as my stopwatch shocker. But Henderson... And I, I, th I just think, like, I mean, you and I have talked about him. We've watched him. He just is so easy with everything he does, his speed, his fluidity, his change of direction. Like, really, really impressive athlete. Yeah, Henderson's really impressive. You know he's going to run well. You know he's going to look good in drills. Thankfully, there aren't a whole lot of open field tackling drills for him to uh, put on some no, of those questions not, on yep, display. We won't see that. Um, but, yeah, he definitely, on top of a lot of other SEC corners here, uh, yeah, are going to look really good. All right, go, going to stopwatch shocker. Okay. okay. We're going to the defensive tackle position. Okay. So can you name Fran Selection for stopwatch shocker? Again, someone who 
people in the media don't expect to put up good times, who, you know, is going to surprise us here in Indianapolis looking for his pick along the defensive tackle. If you want a hint, I can give you a hint. Nah, I got you. Right. I got you. This right. is easy. This right. is easy. I got okay. you figured right. out. Okay. This yeah. guy didn't have tons of production. Right. All right. So everyone in the media That's is going to go look at his stat total or sack total and be like, oh, he didn't do anything. Yep. But when Neville Gallimore, 300 pounds, runs 485 in two days, look out for him as a first-round prospect. So here. he's my workout warrior. Because oh, he's on. the guy who's going to rip it apart. I mean, we, we, you know, he, he, this is the guy who's going to. I got be, you dialed in, just yeah, not in the right, you're, not you're, in the right Yeah, pace you're here. right. You're right. I went Jordan Elliott. Okay. Yeah. I think Jordan Elliott is twitched up, man. Like that kid. He makes a lot of plays person. out to the numbers, man. He's hustles. Oh, man, he has good foot speed. I just watched him for the first time last week, dude. I am infatuated with Jordan Elliott. I put his tape on. I don't remember. I was really late to him. I think early January. I yeah. think I just learned about him in December. Yeah. It was like blown away. I think I texted a couple people like, "You watch him. You watch him." And they might have texted DJ right away. Yeah. Like, Jordan Elliott, top of the list. Let's go. Dude, he just declared. Every week on the show, it felt like from like December on. There was Lance Zerline, it was Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus, it was Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Like, everyone kept bringing up Jordan Elliott, Jordan Elliott, Jordan Elliott's a sleeper, Jordan Elliott's a sleeper. And I'm watching, like, Jordan Elliott is really disruptive, he's explosive, he's powerful, he's violent, like, checks a lot of boxes. I do know, like, kind of a one-year wonder, he transferred from Texas, right. he was a, a bigger, he was heavier, and he lost a lot of weight for this year and then declared, like, you gotta put, you gotta not put that aside, but you take the, just what we've seen on field this year, Dude, he's impressive, man. Yeah, and you know, I use PFF a lot. I love their data, their analytics. We can argue the grades all day. Right, right, right. You know, yes. people have different Separate opinions. Kind of deal. Yep. But for a guy to be graded a top defensive tackle as your pass rush and run, that's a that's a eye opener. Put him to your top right. of the list. Watch him. Come up with your own opinion, type yeah. of thing. And there's something in the water in that defensive tackle room and defensive end room right, in, yep. in Missouri. They sure. pumped out tons of great players. I think I compared him to a Sheldon Richardson. Yep. Uh, he makes a lot of plays out to the numbers, like Fletcher Cox. Um, so yeah, they're doing something right down there in the D-line, and he obviously looked pretty good. High production in a variety of areas, too. Yeah, he's really, really impressive. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to go to Fran's off-the-radar pick, okay? This is someone who is going to come out of nowhere, Ooh, okay, okay. Well, to position. wow us. We're staying on defense at linebacker. So, linebacker. So, so someone who's off the radar, off the radar but is going to test really, really well. Yeah. No one's talking and try, about and try him right take, now. Take some thought here. Who would I put as my workout warrior? It's not going to be that guy. Yes. Off the radar is interesting. I got to put myself into France off the radar mode here. Of course. But, but don't think because I, obviously I, you know I put a lot more. Work, I have to think of who's off the radar for the fans. Like fans aren't going to necessarily. This is this isn't a guy that's a household name right I now. I want to go Akeem Davis Gaither, but I'm not going to. Okay, that's a good guess, but it's not Akeem Davis. We're going to go with yep. everybody's favorite Azusa Pacific transfer, Michael Walker. Mm, Fresno State, really athletic linebacker, played next to Jeff Allison, who was a stiff last yeah. year. Really good foot speed, athletic, coverage skills. He looks like a Akeem Davis Gaither who's getting a lot of love. Michael Walker, I haven't seen a whole lot of love getting. Yep. Michael Walker went to the Shrine Bowl. Yep. This guy that I picked went to the Senior Bowl. Okay. Great track athlete from the same part of the country. Oh, we got to be going Dave, Davion Taylor. Yep, Taylor. there you go. He was a late riser because he didn't play high school football. He went to JUCO. He practiced in high school but did not play in games right? because uh, of re religious reasons, did not play in games in high school. Wow. So then transferred to 
uh, or not transfer, but Juco then went to first, JUCO yeah. and was and was able to finally convince his parents that like, hey, like I want to play football. Played football at the JUCO level, went to Colorado, and the rest is history. He was a productive player, but right. a supreme athlete. Ran track at Colorado. Like this guy is an explosive, right. explosive linebacker guy. on the track team, like legitimate yeah. track yeah. athlete. Right. And obviously Colorado, not a whole lot of national games. You know, they weren't really contenders, so his name isn't in the national media and in the spotlight like right. some of the others, like Kenneth Murray and uh, you know Patrick Queen and some of those guys. Queen was my workout warrior. Oh, he so was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he was my guy. Because like Queen is, I mean, he's. Like stupid explosive. I think Kenneth Murray's gonna like, look like the way Devin White did last year. I almost I, like, put him as my stopwatch shot, or did I, I think I might have put him. As he my gets that big shot. 245 frame moving, man. It does not stop. He yeah, flies around. He's gonna look great in a 40. He's gonna look great moving around left and right. Yep. He's massive too. Like, Kenneth Murray, I used as my pro comparison. I hope he puts a neck roll in his t-shirt this week at the combine. <laughs> right? It won't look right if he doesn't. Yeah, it won't look right if he doesn't. Oh no, he's on neck roll. I think he does the uh, the, the uh, backboard. Right. Oh, yeah. that's a good call. Yes. Because you know he's just thumping running backs. Right. Sure. All right. So next one, we're gonna stay the last defensive pick here. Okay. This is Franz. Trust the tape among oh, geez. the All right. so edge rushers. Right okay. Here. Trust the tape among the edge rushers. Someone who we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast in recent weeks. And we got to trust the tape because Brian's skeptical about what he's going to see here this week. What he's gonna, how he's going to test. Yes. How he's going to test. He might All test right. okay, but we're, it's not going to be eye-popping numbers. I got it locked numbers. in. Um, and there's a very, couple that I very that productive right, player. right to mind here. You know, I think Bradley Anai is a really good pass rusher. I don't know if he's going to test particularly great. It's a guy that wins with violent hands. I mean, A.J. Epinesa. Don't put this guy in space on a wide nine. He wants to be in a phone booth and wants to fight you and go right, left, through you. Yep. He's not going to look good in space out here. He's not going to run well. Yep. Doesn't mean he's not productive, not a good player. Like, yep. I mean, those are the two that come right to my mind as opposed to the wiry, small edge rushers, the, you know, uh, Jonathan Grenard or, you know, Kendall Coleman. Sure. They like to turn the corner and they look all bendy on the figure eight drill. Yep. So which of the two? Bradley and I or AJ Epinesa? Let's go Epinesa. Could Got one. Ding, ding, there ding. <laughs> Finally. All Peter, right, so can we can we put a little drop in <laughs> yeah. there for a little? We're talking at dinner uh, last night, uh, and we're talking about Epinesa. And I'm trying to th- I'm, we're talking with Greg because Greg uh, had not watched him yet. So I'm talking about right, who's a guy that he can kind of compare to. And I'm thinking, I'm like, right, who's a guy who's built that way, really skilled with his hands, holds up well against the run, not a super bendy guy, but he's long. I went with Trey Flowers. What do you think about that comp? Because he's not as like, explosive and flexible as like JPP or like any of those guys. Like from a not, body type perspective, I, he's I, taller. I, I see Trey Flowers as much more of a limb guy, yeah. a little bit longer limbs. I also picture this really kind of tight waist on him. Right. Where I think AJ Epinesa's is built more like a refrigerator. Like I'm his shoulders, at, his shoulders and his hips are the same width. I'm looking for his weigh-in numbers. Where he looks he like a block in, wearing he came shoes. In, uh, this morning, let's see. And Trey has that kind of tight. Uh, angular torso and is really athletic and really looks small when he lines up in like no shade because of that. Um, but the way they win and the yes. violence and the ability to go inside, outside, through you type of pass rush sure, right. all day long. And I completely see that. And I'm not sure I really saw this level of player, Trey Flowers, at Arkansas. Who oh, played, no. He played I, next I to like Darius Phylon. I missed, I missed on Trey Martrell Spates played behind them. I remember that little triangle of defense in Arkansas. They all ended up being decent pros. Yep. I didn't see it at Arkansas. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I'm not sure what they what were feeding them there in New England, but it turned into a really good player. All, all right. right. So We've got two there. other categories here. Okay. Next one. Okay, these are both offensive players. Yep. Okay, narrow it down to begin with. We'll kill the drills. This is the position drills. Okay. 
will kill the drills at wide receiver. Wide receiver is going to kill the drills. Yes. We're oh, man. Like mainly like the gauntlet. There's some low-hanging fruit here. So remember, you're going to have your... Oh, we're talking the gauntlet particularly. That's kind of yes. where I went with, with this one. I mean, kill the drills. I'm immediately thinking of, like, you know, Henry Ruggs is going to look great. And well, you got to think about workout warriors. Yeah, not testing. It's more the position-specific position drills yes. here. So your mind's going to go pluck, 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 confident yeah. hands, maintain speed, accelerate through the catch point. Easy. He was extremely, extremely productive from a reception standpoint sure, right. in 2019. You know, I want, I was leaning towards like a, a Van Jefferson, but now you're saying the production, he wasn't super productive at Florida and Ole Miss, and he's going to be a really good pro. Just um, my mind immediately said when I saw Fran's eyes in the gauntlet, or both, I see it in his face. The Devin Duvarnays of the world, <laughs> Mr. Slot, Mr. Reliable, QB's best friend, junk catcher, adjuster. He's gonna look great in a drill like that. I don't think he's gonna test particularly well. Um, he's probably, a, you know. I think, think Duvarnays is gonna test pretty well. I didn't see it on tape. I know he's got the track background. I think he's gonna test no. okay. He's, I think he's more of a, he played more like a possession receiver. Um, than a vertical burner, hey, but he's got the burner background. Jim Nagy tweeted out uh, today, like the guys he expected to test best in the 40 by body type, and he went like 190 to 200 pounds, 200 to 210, 210 to 220. I thought that was kind of an interesting way to yeah. break it down. He had Duvernay in that uh, that body type, well, but no, du it is not Duvernay. Duvernay is your stopwatch shocker. He's my stopwatch shocker. Yes, yes, that is correct. As far as just looking good, running routes, plucking the ball, he away tied from the for the who, nation who's got, lead. Who's got some of the best hands, and who's the be one of the best route runners? Tie for the nation lead in receptions. It's a deep receiver group here, folks, all right? So there's a lot, a lot of names. You love this player. Between. I'm sure I do. There's a lot of guys I love on this list. SEC. I don't want to go with any of the two Bama guys. It's not one of the two Bama yeah. guys. Not Justin Jefferson. It's Justin Jefferson. It go. is Justin Jefferson, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, Dude, once you got, once you got his tape, man, you love this tape. Yeah, like, and he's just different. Again, trying to compare him to KJ Hamler to all these guys, like we talked about earlier with Greg. Like, you can't, but... Dude, Jefferson's such a good player. Yeah. He's such a good player. Really sharp had, route runner. And I thought he handled himself really well at, uh, at the podium yesterday, too. I, yeah. I like talking to him. Um, real quickly, uh, Trey Flowers and A.J. Epinesa, same exact arm length. Really? <laughs> Looked it up. There you go. Look at that. Mail it in. But All because is right. built like a refrigerator, the arms aren't popping out yeah, as much. Still, That's I think why. He's a little, he's a little stockier, yes, too. Exactly. Maybe probably has a bigger chest to him right. as well. Yep. Uh -huh. All right, what do we got last And that's purely a body type thing. Yes, if we end up course. drafting them, I still love you, AJ. Yeah. So last <laughs> yeah, one right. is... Every team needs a couple refrigerators, yeah. too, you know? <laughs> this is a tough one. One-year wonder, okay? Okay. Offensive of line. Ooh, okay. We're going to go... You got to go out to the West Dude, Coast. finding a one-year starter on the offensive line is actually, like, near impossible. Like, it's very, very hard. One-hit wonder on the O-line. Interesting. You now, mentioned a school with someone else uh, and earlier. You should be able to get this. Guy. Yeah, I'm dialed in here. I'm dialed in. Now, the one-hit wonders, I'm immediately thinking the injury guys, but they're not technically one-hit wonders. Like, is Natan Muti a one-hit wonder? Absolutely, he's a one-hit wonder. There you go. That's Don't overthink it. it. Yeah. <laughs> or like, exactly a, even like a Lucas Niang. Right. Is he a one-hit wonder? And like, I put in the thing up because his one, year one, his one year was like 2017. There's so many vets on this group. It's so easy to fly dude, through this. Dude, like, it's, it's really, you can't like, find one-year stars years, in Three years, four years, three no. years, four years. Yeah. Veteran, senior bowl, senior bowl, senior bowl. It doesn't happen. How long has Jack Driscoll been over there at right tackle? I mean, Braden Smith two years started the last two years, two years yeah. at Auburn, but he, and he started at UMass before that. Oh, I forgot about the UMass transfer. UMass. Right, right, right. 
I mean, how much ball has Ben Barch played? He's a tight end, converted over, put on starter, 80 pounds or whatever at school. Dude, he like de- uh, described the the protein shake that he. Uh, oh, it's <laughs> disgusting! Oh, dude, did you see this, Ben? It's, no, it's eggs, oh, cottage cheese. Oh, God. But I'm hoping it's... I was the catalyst for any sort of weight gain transformations from this kid because I put up these little historical photos they have on his bio. Oh, did you put where those? He started as a six, I remember six, that. 220 pound tight end. He looks like a little schoolboy, and now he's turning into this big grizzly 300 pound <laughs> tackle. Got like the facial hair right. on top of it now, where it's like all pristine, clean cut and everything and seven scrambled eggs yep. seven eggs okay cottage cheese oatmeal peanut butter banana and he had this at like five in the morning every day he went from it was like 220 to something like the augustine school of yes midnight milkshakes i mean that's that's pretty rough he said he would hold his nose and just down it yeah yeah it's, it's going down the list of the offensive line it's, it's tough man. to find that I went with Natani Muti, and it was because, uh, look, the guy played one year as a starter in 2017 as a, as a freshman and then was injured for three years after Some guys that. like Jonah Jackson, but he was a Rutgers. But but it's Rutgers fun, it's funny. It's not even a guy who played 2019. It's, we're right. going like a couple right. years back to find right. it. So, so yeah, so that, that's a, again, you can go check those out uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. I'll tweet them out throughout the day. A couple of Richard day, sophomores so. haven't played a lot. Yeah, but each of them, those guys play. Isaiah Wilson. Isaiah Wilson started played a lot of ball, yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough finding those one year See, in high school, he took some Wildcat snaps? Yeah, I've seen, I've like seen the six, video. Like 6'7", 300 pounds. He has massive. one of my favorite laughs of any prospect here. I was oh, in, oh, I just yeah. quoted today. He's got like such a like a youthful, like jovial laugh. It was really, really funny. All right. Uh, let's get to the next segment here. Let's wrap it up here. It's time for Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so draft mailbag. Again, uh, number one thing we wanted to remind you guys, if you get a chance, go on, uh, rate, review. If you don't subscribe, make sure you're subscribed to the Journey to Draft podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. If you listen, just go and leave us a rating, leave us a comment. We'll get it here on the show. So uh, give a shout-out to two people that did that. Uh, P. Pope left a five-star review, said that he looks forward to every episode, listens every single week. P. Pope, really appreciate the comment. Uh, thanks so much for the rating as well on Apple Podcasts. And then PTG, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Left a five-star review. What was it again? PTG. PTG, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, one through seven. Okay. One through seven. Uh, Hey, guys, I did one of those mock draft machines that are floating around. So this was based off their values, okay? And he has the Eagles picking nine players, uh, starting with Alabama cornerback Trevon Diggs. All right. Okay. Okay. That's an A. Fran's happy. Love love Trevon Diggs. Uh, Jalen Rieger. Wow. Check. Check. There we go. Uh, Cleed Kareem. We haven't talked about much about Cleed Kareem, Ben. Uh, give us a Cleed Kareem elevator speech here. Cleed Kareem. Is that the uh, Notre Dame kid on big, the opposite side of uh, yeah. Julian Aquara there? That's right. Yep. I haven't gotten to too much of his tape, but I know he's a little bit of a different style than Aquara on the yep. other side. A bit of a heavy end, yep. more of an edge setter, not a whole lot of flexibility getting after the passer. But a guy that I think can survive on early downs. Yep. Which proves you put, you play against a run, you can play. I think you could slide him inside. He didn't yeah. do much of it from what the film I've studied so far, but uh, I think you could slide him inside in some package and hopefully get some stuff. There's there. a lot of exciting pass rushers, and he's not a guy I think is going to excite you. He's more of just that kind of ho hum, blue collar guy that's going to do the dirty work for you. Right. Um, probably work his way through the back end of a roster, a day three type of guy, but special teamer, a guy that can kick inside, run sure. defender. I mean, that's a guy that defensive line coaches want in the room. Uh, another third-round pick, Jordan Elliott. He's uh, he's going before third round. Yeah, yep. But he's going again. He's going off the value from yep. the mock draft. There's a couple guys, Jordan Elliott, Ross Blacklock. Once people get hands on their tape, yep. they're both juniors, a little bit late in the process. They seem like they're day one guys through and through. Yep. Now it's just figuring out the uh, 
obviously only being three-year players there. Fourth rounder, Jeremy Chin, safety for Southern Illinois. I also think he might, he might, I wonder if he could mess around and go late day two. Fran, I'm telling you, he's going to look like an Isaiah Simmons clone out here. I'm a huge Jeremy Chin fan. He's my fan. stopwatch shocker in, uh, in the safety. Uh, he is long, Chi -Chi. he's broad, he's yeah. fast, he's fluid, he's got ball skills, box skills, run defender, coverage skills. It's not everything you want in a 2020 defensive back. Dude, every year he would be like the small school darling, but Kyle Duggar gets a lot of the headlines right. this year because of Lenore Ryan. Dude, Jeremy Chin is a good player. I keep retweeting a clip I put up of him making a pick to the sideline from the middle of the field. Yeah, it's as good as any play Isaiah Simmons has put on tape. Obviously, he didn't go to Clemson and That's you know get some 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 love. But if you miss on Isaiah Simmons in the first round, I mean back end of uh you know day two there maybe round two. Yep. I, I could see Jeremy Chin. He's going to look good out here. I'm telling you, put him next to Isaiah Simmons. They're going to look similar. Played some corner. FCS level, but played some corner. Yeah. He's got that in his background. And Isaiah's going to the linebackers ball. now? So yeah, Chin, Chin will be a up by the, the binders. Yeah, yeah, it does. But really Chin should be a DB up. and will probably be one of the bigger DBs in the group now yeah. that Isaiah is a, I meant a to send officially that to a linebacker. Have we printed out these, the, the binders with like so we can like take notes efficiently? We right. talked about it yesterday on the show. And I've got Simmons with the safety, so now we got to figure out how we're going to account for that in that binder. I'm not reprinting those. I have to boys. reprint mine as well because now the number order they got to put Simmons in. That's the thing; it's all messed and up. And they'll bump the other ones down. Oh no! I don't know. I got to think about that. <laughs> oh no! That'll throw everything off. I'm on the broadcast. Oh, man, that's going to ruin, that. ruin my day. All right, let's all right. go. Let's keep going yeah. here. Uh, Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver from Texas, there okay. uh, in the fifth round. I think that that value. That sounds. I think he'll probably go a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I can catch see the ball well. He's going to. He's a great uh, slot receiver. Antonio Gandy Golden. So third receiver here uh, out of Liberty, uh, going. I think that would be the fifth or sixth round in that. He's area. the day three version of T Higgins. Right. Like. Yep. Clones. Except what did we just say? I think some people think he could go day two. He's gonna. He's, he's a really productive he, player. He's a he good player. I think he's gonna test well. But again, scouting the helmet. Yep. Liberty, Clemson. You know, sure. just kind of is what it is. Ezra Cleveland, the uh, the tackle from Boise State, and Davion Taylor. We talked about him earlier, uh, rounding it out. I think Taylor also was gonna go later or earlier than that point. So Ezra Cleveland, veteran player, senior, paved yep. the way for a couple thousand yard seasons of Alexander Madison. A yep. lot of seniors on the line uh, there at Boise. Did his Florida State game to open the season. Yep. A lot of value on Florida State. You don't see those type of athletes in the Mountain West. Yeah. Didn't look great. And then I found out he was dealing with an injury the first four or five weeks. Context is great. And tried to play through it. Didn't always look good. And there's some guys putting out today say he could squeeze into the back end of round one. Man, that's – well, um, I know Dane brought him up on the show as a guy that would really impress as, a, as an athlete. Right. So They gave him a, an end around as well, uh, which was a fun play. That's right. They gave, I think it was a five-yard gain in yeah. the low red zone. He didn't get right. it. He just missed. But just to speak of what they think of his athleticism. Right. yep. You only get those opportunities if you're something special. No um, I think he's a little bit underpowered. He's more of an upright guy. I thought yeah. he looked a little bit like John Theus at Georgia. Yep. But that was off of my opinion in the Florida State game. With the injury, yeah. So those types of contexts are really interesting. No so do I now say, ah, his, tapes, go back his tape stunk against Florida State? I give him a knock. Now is it the other way? And he tried to play through an injury and yep. tried to try to do what he could for the team. No. And just the full conversation of these things are really interesting. You don't always know what you don't know. The context is yeah. imperative. But right. Does the reverse happen where you watch maybe a prospect's best game ever and you think one hundred percent moon of a guy, and then it's like, well, did you watch? He never looked like that again. Exactly. I can tell you, I watched a corner from the AAC, uh, and I don't want to say, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, but I watched a corner and I watched some early games, and I really liked his film, and I know a guy at the school, so I texted him. I was like, dude, like, no one is talking about this guy. How, how come no one's talking about him? And he's like, well, what games do you watch? And I told him I watched some of these games. And he said, watch 
uh, some of the later games. There was a game midseason where he got where he got beat often, and after that he kind of struggled a little bit. So I'm like, okay, I gotta watch some of the later stuff and just get a better sense. He kind of paint the whole picture, mm -hmm. but. That context is often uh, extremely helpful. I heard a story last year about a tackle, and he had a horrendous game, and apparently his five-year girlfriend, high school sweetheart, had broken up with him the week before, and he wasn't eating. He missed a couple practices. It happens. At the end of the day, they're human beings, yeah. you know, and they're, they're young 20 people going through life, and, right. you know, whether it's instances like Cole Madison dealing yep. with, you know, the, the loss of a friend and a teammate who, you know, committed suicide, or yep. people dealing with, you know, love and, you know, things like that. Do you guys know the Austin Jackson story? From no. USC, the tackle? From uh, USC? I, vaguely. I know NFL.com has done a couple of nice great. pieces with Chase them. Chase Goodbread did a great piece. Yeah. I, I think I'm pretty, pretty sure it was Chase. I, I, I want to attempt to say the medical terms he's doing for his sister, but you take Basically, it away. Basically, uh, his sister has uh, it was some kind of a disease where he needed, she needed a bone marrow transplant. Right. And he volunteered to give her the bone marrow transplant, didn't miss a snap. So he gave it to her in the, su gave it to her in the summer. He was, I mean, he was all kinds of out of sorts. His body yeah. did not fully recover until, like, mid-October. So the first part of the season, I mean, he's playing, like, I mean, literally, like, on backup batteries at this yeah. point uh, as he's trying to kind of get his body back up into shape. Didn't miss a down, kept going. Like, and so there's games where he looks doesn't look as great against, like, Utah and, like, some of these other guys. And But if you take that into context, I think it's kind of, kind of impressive. And that's why you go to campus. Yeah. You don't need to always talk to the kid, yeah. but can you talk to his position coach, the Find strength coach, on. his academic advisor? Yep. Suddenly you're painting the full picture, not on the player, on the human being and the employee you may be employing in yep. a couple months. Yep. And I think we forget that we think they're just gladiators, players, athletes. They're men. They're going to be your teammates. They're going to be yep. your coworkers. Like You don't always know what you're getting uh, you know, until you get them, and you try to just paint that full picture and who they are as a person. and. Um, it's kind of just the fun process. Yeah, it's a, a great part of the process. Excited for uh, this process to continue this week. Again, we'll continue our daily shows here from the Indiana Convention Center here at Indianapolis. Uh, tomorrow, workouts begin. Or I guess it, by the time you're listening to this, it's tonight workouts begin yeah. uh, on NFL Network. Make sure you're tuning in. Uh, and we'll be back here tomorrow with another episode of the Journey of the Draft podcast driven by AAA for Ben and Chris and Greg Cosell. I'm Fran. We'll talk to you tomorrow.